What specifically would you do that you aren't currently able to because your health condition is holding you back? Welcome to Balance Health Now podcast. I'm your certified functional nutrition health coach and your host, Sydney Torres. My passion is helping women balance their hormones naturally and improve gut function. Being a health detective, finding the underlining root causes. My other passion is speaking to other health and wellness warriors who share the same vision, wellness for all. We chat all things A to Z on holistic health and wellness, providing holistic and science-based solutions to help you reclaim your health so you can live, feel, and transform into the best version of you. If you don't have your health, then what do you have? I release new episodes every Wednesday. Hope to see you inside. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. The content should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure any medical or psychological disorder. I would like to welcome Whitney Copeland to Balance Health Now podcast. Today, we get to hang out and talk about living well with autoimmunity and chronic disease and how this is possible. Hi, Whitney. How are you? I am doing really well today. Thank you. I just want to say thank you for just taking the time out of your day and just being here to bring awareness to autoimmune disease. Um, But before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about who you are and what you do. You are a certified nutritional practitioner and you're a life coach. You specialize in helping those with autoimmune and chronic disease improve their diet, lifestyle, and mindset. So I just want to hear a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are today. Yes, I love this question. So it's been a journey. I basically started with an autoimmune condition at the age of 12 or 13, and it was called Raynaud's syndrome. So it's basically when you lose circulation in your various extremities under cold conditions, where a normal individual like who doesn't have Raynaud's would definitely not be losing their circulation, like walking down the frozen aisle at the grocery store, for example. And I didn't really know a lot about autoimmune disease at that time. So my parents, you know, they were my guardians and and taking care of me and we didn't really do anything about it. We just thought that keeping me warm and avoiding the triggers was the answer. Fast forward many years later in my thirties, when I had my second child, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that is a second autoimmune condition that I live with. And although I've been a nutritionist for 10 years, it wasn't until that Hashimoto's diagnosis that I really started focusing on autoimmune disease and through my own trial and error, um, became a coach certified in something called the autoimmune protocol. And that's really what helped me. And now I've made that my niche area of focus with my clients. You know, I just want um, for everybody that that's listening right now, who is really not familiar with autoimmune disease, could you just briefly explain what that is and the three main causes of autoimmune? 
Yeah. So autoimmune disease is kind of like an an umbrella term. There's about 140 different conditions right now that are called autoimmune in nature. And what really happens is our body starts to produce something called autoantibodies. And those autoantibodies end up going after our normal healthy tissues. So where when we have an immune reaction to something in our immune system, goes into high gear and helps us get better, then it subsides. With autoimmune disease, it just keeps going. And so the three main causes of that, although like there's not really concrete answers to a lot of stuff on autoimmune, we know that genetics plays a role, but it's only about a third of the role. So if you have the gene it may never be expressed in your lifetime. You might not end up with autoimmune disease at all in your lifetime, even if you do have the gene for it. Then there's environmental triggers. And this can be anything in the environment. It could be a virus or a bacteria, a parasite, or a stressful event, chronic stress, something like that going on in your life. And then the third area, my favorite area, is diet and lifestyle. And I say it's my favorite because that's the area that we really have control over. We cannot control the genes that we're born with. And a lot of the environmental triggers, even if we try and avoid them, we're humans living in this world and we can try our hardest, but we don't live in a bubble. So we are going to encounter things and we can't really control what has happened in our past. So we can only focus on the present and the future. And diet and lifestyle is where we can do that. Yeah, I I totally agree with the diet and the lifestyle. And um, could you just kind of like talk a little bit more about the power of um, the diet and the power of the lifestyle? Yeah, so when it comes to diet, eating for autoimmune healing is a little bit different than you know, what might be out there in mainstream media of like, what's right and what's wrong, you you might hear different things every day, go vegan, go paleo, go keto, and and it gets very confusing. But when you're healing from autoimmune disease, what you really want to do is increase your nutrient status, which means if you have any nutrient deficiencies, you want to try and get those nutrients into your body through food, primarily, And of course, supplementation is sometimes necessary. So that's the main thing is increase your nutrient status. The second is heal your gut. So again, another kind of trendy term that you hear around maybe on social media, but gut healing is imperative when it comes to autoimmune healing, because if we have the perfect storm of the genetics, the environmental trigger, And then, you know, diet and lifestyle factors that are not conducive to health. It's really the integrity of our gut that's going to push us overboard. So if we're, if our gut is not in its best shape and we have something called leaky gut, that is what can really pull the trigger where your symptoms start to present. So I can get more into the actual dietary principles if you'd like, but lifestyle also does play a major role. And what I find with a lot of people who have autoimmune, once they know that diet makes a difference, they tend to put all their eggs in one basket. 
So they're now focused so much on diet and perfecting their diet. And they start to forget that stress and sleep and movement that you enjoy and spending time outdoors and connecting with other people are also a part of healing. And it's not to say that you have to do it all at once or overnight, but slowly but surely you can add little things over time. Yeah. And just to kind of go back a little bit um, to the the gut, um, people don't realize like 70 to 80% of our immunity lies in the gut. So yes, having that, that gut be, um, be strong and to be healthy, have a, a balanced microbiome is so important. And I just kind of want you just to like briefly touch on what you mentioned the word leaky gut. I just, um, because we are both health coaches, we know what that is, but could you just, for those listening who may not know what leaky gut is, could you just briefly explain what that is? Yeah. So our gut lining is like semi-permeable. So some things are supposed to go, you know, in and out of our gut, um, namely nutrients. But when things are not intact properly and things can, um, larger particles can get through our intestines, they can get into our bloodstream. So that's essentially what leaky gut is. There's these little, you know, gatekeepers that kind of keep track of what's going in and out of the gut. And if the integrity of the gut is not there, those gatekeepers, you know, they're not doing their best job and things start getting getting past them. And that could be bacteria, viruses, or food particles getting into the bloodstream. And that is what wreaks havoc on the body. Um, once our immune system sees these things floating around, it amps up the immune response. And, you know, as we talked about before, it doesn't necessarily get shut off when you have an immune condition. Yeah. And then two, um, if you can just talk a little bit, going back to the diet, um, in regards to inflammatory foods, when you are working with your clients, what are some of the most inflammatory foods you see your clients eating? Yeah. So this one is where, you know, my clients, <laughs> when I first tell them, they're not super happy with me because grains and dairy are going to be your two biggest culprits. And the protocol that I work with goes down to the like bare basics where you are starting out with fruits and vegetables and good quality meats and fish and oils and, and that kind of thing and fermented foods. And then over time, you're adding things back into your diet because even things like eggs, which is a, you know, it's a benchmark for like a perfect protein and such a high quality food to eat. And it is so convenient and it, it is nourishing for some people with autoimmune, it can be a big problem for them. Their body can react to it. Same thing with like legumes, for example, if you eat a vegetarian diet, and that is a big component of your diet, that can also be problematic for some people, especially with autoimmune. There's a group of vegetables called the nightshades. So that includes peppers, eggplants, potatoes, and tomatoes. And these things can also be very inflammatory. So the way that we think about what is a healthy food kind of changes when we have autoimmune disease. 
And it's no longer, is this food a healthy food? It's how does it impact my individual body? Right. And then too, um, it's just like too, do you have your clients also keep like a, a, a food journal so they can like start to figure out like what's triggering them and um, what makes them feel like vibrant and alive? Yes. Yes. And it's not just putting down, you know, I ate X, Y, Z for breakfast. It's actually ranking. Like, how did I feel in terms of energy one to 10? Did I have any symptoms come up? What were they be specific? So, and it's not something that you have to do forever because I know it sounds intimidating. I have to track my food. That's super annoying and, you know, inconvenient, but it would be for a few weeks, maybe six weeks at most. And you can find a system that works for you. There's so many apps out there that you can do that on. You can even just use your notepad in your phone, the little notes app to track these kind of things. It doesn't have to be super fancy or inconvenient, but it is so helpful and it avoids backtracking where now you have, you know, you did the effort, you put in the effort, you eliminated all these foods. And now you're starting to reintroduce them, but you're not tracking it. And now you have no idea again, what's causing your inflammation or your pain or your skin issues or whatever it may be. Right. You know, I, I just love the idea of, of keeping like little food journals, mood, uh, food journals and mood journals, because at first, um, just going through like my own personal thing, I just was so against it. Like, why do I have to write this stuff down? But then I started to, and let me tell you the power of just writing things down and eating something and then being able to see how it makes you feel and writing that down. It really helps you see the whole entire picture and it really helps you connect the dots in your health journey. So I encourage, um, I encourage you if you're listening and, and, and you're kind of like hesitant or resistant, like Whitney said, it's only for a few weeks and it will just give you so much clarity and so many different clues to um, just to help you to, to feel better. Yeah. And it's very freeing. Like in the moment, it doesn't feel freeing. But if you're able to identify a few foods, say it's like five or less foods that you're reacting to, it actually opens up so much more possibility for you because now you go to a restaurant and you know exactly how to order your meal or you go to a social event and you know exactly what you can and cannot have on the buffet. And it is freeing at the end of the day. So it's just putting in a little bit of time and effort to get there. Yeah, totally agree. So I want to talk about when doctors miss clues and you're struggling with symptoms. um, How do you actually get that autoimmune diagnosis? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because it's something that I really want to normalize for people that it can take up to five years or sometimes more to get a diagnosis for an autoimmune condition. Because there's not necessarily a specific test that gives you black and white answers for every condition. Some of them are easier to diagnose because there are more concrete tests, but it starts with what we just talked about, symptoms tracking. 
So you want to keep a little documentation of what's going on with you. Maybe there are some patterns that you're not recognizing. Maybe you're feeling a certain way in the morning. Maybe a rash is appearing at a certain time of the month. These are things that you're going to want to bring to your doctor. You're also going to want to know your family history. So your biological parents and siblings and grandparents, if you have access to that that information, that is very helpful. And it takes a bit of resilience and perseverance, to be honest, because you will go to the doctor multiple times and you might not get the answers that you're wanting. You might leave more confused than you actually arrived. But I think my piece of advice here is if you know, like in your, in your mind, in your heart, that there's something not right, don't give up on it. Because so many times people are told they're hypochondriacs or they're making it up or it's all in their head or there's nothing wrong with them, but they know there's something wrong. And years down the road, they end up getting this diagnosis and they feel so validated when they get this diagnosis. So part of it is having all of the information, kind of having your ducks in a row. And then the other piece of it is the way that you interact with your doctor. You do need to stand your ground and you need to ask for things, including tests that they might not be offering. So if you see multiple um, doctors, or maybe you see alternative practitioners like a naturopath or, or you've gotten recommendations from somebody else, you can bring those to your doctor and talk about it. And we can often take no, like as a final answer, but sometimes we need to, this is what I mean by holding or standing our ground is asking why and asking for more information and not just being shut down with that first no. Cause that could just be a knee jerk reaction that the doctor is used to doing. Like they're just used to saying no, unless it was their own idea. And so being a little bit pushier, but always polite, that is, I think, going to get you faster to where you want to go. Yeah. And, you know, just really being our own health advocates is so very important. And I like how you said, just like standing your ground, speaking up, being a little bit um, assertive, but at the same time, polite. And I know just because a doctor has that MD at the end of their name does not make them like the be all end all what they say. So if you are feeling like Whitney said, if you're feeling like, you know what, I I just, my doctor's not listening. Uh, I know there's something wrong. He's not ordering this test for me. Go and find another doctor. That is not the doctor for you. And, um, Do you, when you were getting like your own diagnosis, I just kind of want to hear how you went about getting your diagnosis. Did Mm -hmm. you come, did you encounter any roadblocks with doctors saying like, oh no, there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, uh, your lab test looks fine. So I was one of the lucky ones, so to speak, because both of my conditions had very obvious physical signs. 
So with the Raynaud's, I literally would lose circulation in my hands and my hands would be completely white. And the doctor was like, okay, that's Raynaud's. But this was so many years ago that they had no idea what to do about it. And that's why I said my parents didn't really change anything. We just tried to keep me warm and avoid triggers. And the second one, Hashimoto's, that one can be a little trickier to diagnose because if you're not being sent for antibody testing, if they're just looking at your thyroid um, levels to see if your TSH is within range, that's not going to give you any indication of, you know, Hashimoto's, but because I have an actual thyroid goiter, which you can see in my neck, my midwife, when I was pregnant, noticed that and said, go and see your doctor right away. My doctor sent me for an ultrasound and a biopsy. And within days I had a diagnosis. And of course, at the same time I had blood work done and they tested for antibodies, which came back quite high. So that was pretty straightforward, but that's definitely not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. So what are some of the myths uh, that you hear about autoimmune disease that simply are not true? Well, one of them, and it's just a way that people speak about it. They'll say like, I'm in remission or something like that. And we like to stay away from talking about symptom-free periods as remission, because when you have an autoimmune disease or multiple, that never actually goes away. So that's why the long-term lifestyle and diet management is so crucial, because you may have periods where you are completely fine and symptom-free. And then, you know, something goes out of whack and you have a flare. So I think that is one myth is that like you can cure it or put it into permanent remission. We didn't talk about the symptoms. Can you just kind of like go through some of like the main systems that are connected to autoimmune? Yeah. So like I said, there's about 140 different conditions and they all have, you know, their unique symptoms, but early indicators of autoimmune are of course your digestive troubles, um, whether that's chronic heartburn or indigestion or a mixture of like constipation or diarrhea. And these are things like not just short periods of time. These would be things going on for quite a while brain fog or like really hard time with memory is another one unexplained skin rashes, joint or muscle pain that can't be explained by like a recent exercise or something like that. Those are some of the main ones, hair loss, um, difficulty sleeping at night, insomnia, chronic insomnia. And like I said, it's not like this happens for a week and you think you have an autoimmune disease. These are things that start to happen over time. But the good news is you don't need a diagnosis. And even if you're somebody who suspects that you have an autoimmune disease, you don't need a diagnosis to start doing the healing. And that's, I think the best takeaway. So with that being said, what are some just sim simple actionable steps somebody listening to this right now can implement? So it might not be what you want to hear, but gl a gluten-free diet is number one. 
because gluten has a direct impact on autoimmune conditions. And when we talked about leaky gut, that's where gluten really plays a role because our body produces something called zonulin. And those are what I was referring to as the gatekeeper of, of the intestines, like keeping them open or closed at various different times and gluten impacts zonulin. So we don't want to overactivate that and have a leaky gut as a result. So gluten-free is, is kind of like the bare minimum. And then if you didn't want to do anything else diet wise, like in terms of removing things, you can add things. So adding in fermented foods like kombucha or kombucha is a beverage, but kombucha or water kefir, coconut yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, these types of things really help with the integrity of the gut. And fish oil is actually really also very good for your gut. And then too, just to stack onto what um, you're saying, like I'm going to switch over to like the lifestyle part of it, just making sure just sleep like that. That is just so paramount in anybody's healing journey. You got to get the sleep and because like, that's when the body heals when we're, when we're resting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just simply, um, getting outside, just go outside, just even if it's for like five minutes, just go stand in the sun or take a walk around your block or just sit in a chair in your backyard, whatever it is, there's just like those little things and those little things that we do start to add up and they will really start to push the needle because I feel Diet and lifestyle just really pushes that needle to feeling crappy, to Mm -hmm. starting to feel like, hey, I feel a little bit better. And that's what we want. Yeah. And I like that you said that because I had kind of an aha moment this weekend. I was away for a few days and a couple of things were different. Like I was going to bed a little bit later and I was missing my, my daily meditation or it wasn't a high quality meditation. And although I brought all my own food, I had some, you know, extra things that I wouldn't normally have. And it's now two or three days later, and I'm still kind of recovering from that. So it's like, you don't, you might not really notice the impact right away but it's happening because as soon as you go back to your old ways, you notice, wow, I was actually feeling really good. You know what, Whitney, I just had a question that popped in my head. So with you having, you know, your autoimmunity, could you just talk about traveling? And that's something Mm -hmm. that like, we really don't think about. How do you travel? Um, with autoimmunity, like going out to eat to restaurants, if you could just, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So my rule of thumb is say I'm taking a flight. I make sure no matter what time of day that flight is to get up and have a proper meal so that I'm starting out properly for the day. And then I pack all kinds of non-perishable snacks There are so many autoimmune friendly snacks out there. A lot of like jerkies, like meat jerkies are good plantain chips. There's cassava chips or sweet potato chips. Um, 
depending where you're at on your journey, nuts and seeds may or may not work for you. Dried fruits. There's a lot of things that you can do. And if you're eating in a restaurant, it's keeping it really simple. So you're likely going to have to ask for modifications. And this is one area that I've really had to work on myself is I had this idea that if I express what I need, I'm going to be seen as like a picky princess or high maintenance. And that really bothered me like in restaurants and at people's houses. So I really had to flip my mindset on that. And what I found really worked for me was like, I'm setting an example of what's possible because a lot of the time the people around us wish they could ask for what they want, or they wish they were eating better and treating their body better, but they don't know how, or they've never seen anybody do it in a practical way. So I think about that in those situations. Um, And even in a restaurant, when I ask and the servers are confused and and don't know what to do, I'm like, you know what, this is a really good learning experience for them because if somebody comes in after me and they're celiac, this little bit of practice that they're getting is really going to benefit the next person. So I try and make it outside of myself and not make it all about me anymore. And that really helps. Um, What else do I do in terms of accommodations? I would book a hotel that has at least a fridge so that I could, you know, buy a few of my own things, but an Airbnb would be even better so that I I could do some of my own cooking. Um, And again, it's another mindset shift. I know a lot of people go away and they think I don't want to do anything. I just want to be on vacation, take a break. And you don't have to do difficult things. Um, I can share some resources with you if you want to share them in the show notes, but there are online stores now that cater to autoimmune paleo eating. So there's literally cereal, like breakfast cereal that is paleo. There are a lot of convenience foods that you can throw in your suitcase that are lightweight that are going to like work wonders for you when you get to your destination. Yeah, that, wow. I I didn't realize that, um, that there's, you know, like some convenience that, that sell the paleo. So yeah, if you could just share those resources, like anything Mm -hmm. would just be so beneficial. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, I've, I've been in that same situation where you've got special dietary needs and you're just like, you're having to pack your food and, you know, like trying to before you go, like figure out like, okay, where am I going to eat? What restaurants are going to work and work with me? Um, just like for me, what I do a lot of times is I'll just like find like the natural or the closest natural, like health food store. And I'll just Mm kind of like have to go there and kind of like make something up and just like eat that way instead of going out to a restaurant. Um, But it, it, it is definitely possible. It's challenging at first, but um, it definitely is possible. I just um, want to hear what exactly is the autoimmune protocol? So the autoimmune protocol is a diet and lifestyle approach to healing from autoimmune disease. 
And it basically provides a framework for your everyday decisions of what you're eating and how you're living. The dietary component, I think I mentioned this earlier, it go, it's an elimination diet. So it goes back to the very basics. So for about 30 days or so, you are eating mainly fruits and vegetables, high quality meats and fish. And nowadays with Pinterest and, and all of that, there are recipes for literally everything. Like you can make AIP pancakes, AIP waffles, AIP pizza, AIP chicken tenders. Like there are so many um, products and recipe resources that you can breeze through those days if you are prepared. The first time I embarked on this diet, I was not prepared. I didn't know much about it. I found it on the autoimmune wellness website. And I had done some food sensitivity testing previous to this. And there were like, I want to say 20 foods that came up on there. And it was like, avoid these foods for six months. And I was like, what am I going to eat? So I started doing some research and I came across the autoimmune wellness website. I discovered the autoimmune protocol and literally the next day I decided to start it cold Turkey. And I just wasn't prepared. So one of the big um, challenges in those first 30 days is people tend to not eat enough carbohydrate because you're removing grains and legumes. And then people are like, what am I going to have for a carb? So I went into like starvation mode where I was eating more um, like meat and vegetables. But the way that my body works, I need carbohydrate with every meal to really feel satisfied. So for example, sweet potatoes are a great carbohydrate. There is cassava and taro root, but I didn't know about all of these alternative foods at that time. So I really um, struggled the first time around. And then I became certified in the protocol and of course learned all of the tips and tricks, <laughs> which made it much easier when I did it a second time. So that's phase one. And then phase two, you're starting to reintroduce foods and there's a systematic approach to doing that. You're, you're doing it every few days and you're monitoring your symptoms and you're also introducing the most nutrient dense foods first and the ones that are least likely to cause a reaction in your body. And so there's four phases of the reintroductions and you can choose pick and choose from whichever phase you want, but it's highly recommended to start with the stage one and then go from there and, and slowly introduce things. And by the end, you have your own unique diet of what works for you. So it's not necessarily vegetarian or paleo or keto or any label of a diet. It's just, you know, the Whitney Copeland diet. <laughs> and that's what works for me. So that's really what the autoimmune protocol is for the dietary component. And then the lifestyle, it, if you want to picture like a life wheel where you have your sleep and your stress and your movement and all of that, we talked about it earlier, slowly, but surely looking at each of those areas and just cleaning it up a little bit. Can I go to bed at a regular time every night? Like our body loves to have a regular routine so that it knows like, when do I produce certain chemicals and hormones to, to help you? If you can even find consistency with your sleep, that would be like a, a small thing. Um, with stress, what can you do there? Like, 
are you interested in meditation? Are you interested in yoga? Would you rather take your dog for a walk? What is it that's going to make you feel calm and help you relieve stress? So in each area, you would be going through and saying, what do I like to do? What works for me? And you're making this own unique lifestyle that is really conducive to health and healing. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have one final question for you. And that is, what is one thing somebody can do for their health? I think the first thing is, well, they're listening to this podcast. So that, that is amazing. That's awareness, right? That's getting into the space. The one thing you can do is decide, decide that you want something specific with your health and then start. That's really what I have to say, because that is the biggest factor is you have to decide to start whatever area of life it is for you. Maybe it's hop on the spin bike for 20 minutes each day. Maybe it's go on a yoga retreat, whatever it is that's been kind of in your head floating around and you haven't committed just decide. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I guess the hard part for like most of us is just making that decision. Like, okay, I'm going to start. Um, so Whitney, how can people find you if they want to work with you? So the best place to find me is on my website. It's whitneycopeland.com and all of my social links are there. I have a YouTube channel with some basic information on autoimmune disease So if you want to learn more about leaky gut or what causes autoimmune disease, I have videos there, but everything is in one place just on my website. Okay. And I would like to hear a little bit more about your coaching program. So I work with people for 12 weeks and I meet them where they are. So although I specialize in the autoimmune protocol, We don't necessarily have to do the, you know, cold turkey, all in version of the protocol. We can start with, you know, going gluten free and improving sleep. So that is primarily how I work with people. And it's not just the dietary components and the lifestyle component. It is also the mindset because I am a life coach. I love to help people get to like, not only the root cause of what's happening in their body but the root thoughts of what's going on in their head, that's keeping them stuck. So that's, uh, yeah, that's how I work with people. I am going to put all of Whitney's um, contact information in the show notes. So if you resonated with her, please reach out to her. Um, And I'm, I'm sure she would love to help you on your healing journey. Whitney, I just want to say thank you again for just bringing awareness to autoimmune, because I know a lot of times with autoimmune, people don't even realize that they have it. So just bringing this, the the awareness is just step number one. Um, You've given us a lot of great information, actionable steps, tips, and I just I appreciate you and I appreciate that the work that you are doing just to help heal the person, one person at a time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's definitely my mission now that I have been through it myself. I just want to help all the people get to where I am now, which is like such a great place to be. 
wait, don't go just yet. If you like today's episode, please leave a review. This way, the message of health and wellness can get shared with others. If you ever want to hang out, you can find me on Instagram at Balance Health Now. Until next time, stay well.